Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today, Eddie is talking to Shane McCarthy of the band Wayfarer. Um, yeah, I'm excited to hear how this one went. Thanks for introducing me to his music, Eddie. How'd the uh, chat go? It was excellent. I I always love talking to people in bands that have kind of, uh, you know, their their own niche of what they're doing and a really specific, you know, lyrical or musical style. And Wayfarer is definitely one of those bands. Um, they, you know, kind of get called Great Plains black metal, and so it's, you know, such a such a great and unique pairing of sort of the story of the old west meets you know, this like very heavy crushing music. And, uh, we got to do kind of a deep dive into some of the lyrical themes and, uh, conceptual work around their newest record, um, which is called a romance with violence, uh, that, that follows several characters in sort of a, a wild West kind of intertwined story. And it was just, it was great talking to him. Um, he, talked about a, a lot about kind of the early Denver metal scene, which nowadays is, you know, pretty well regarded as its own thing. Uh, but when he was getting started, um, it, the, the metal scene, there was almost non-existent. And so it was really kind of interesting hearing him talking about the development and all these, you know, all these small groups that would play with each other and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great talking to him and, uh, I hope y'all enjoy. All right, man. I'm excited for it. Thanks guys. it was like late elementary school that i was just into like pantera metallica um and a bunch of you know it embarrassing new metal and stuff at the time too because that was you know whatever 2001 or um whatever it may have been but i i think especially yeah i i, I did pick up a guitar first and it was pantera above all that uh drove me to do that just you know riffs and solos and it was pretty much that metallica that i wanted to wanted to be at that age um got into a lot of, of other weirder stuff after that but that was that was definitely the starting point i bought a uh bought a nice bronze series specie rich warlock just because of how it looked and it came with a real shitty little 10 watt amp <laughs> and you know that was i was pretty set on that at uh i think i was 11 maybe 12 when i started playing guitar uh somewhere in there and uh yeah yeah that's awesome uh yeah i i have to think that there's probably 10 million of those little 10 watt amps just like floating around the universe uh because i i definitely know exactly like i was pro for me my first guitar was probably also around you know 2001 or so and it was an ibanez with a little shitty 10 watt amp that it came with uh awesome yeah yeah that's cool that's a really good question of where those where those things go when they die like uh yeah i i have no idea what happened to that 10 watt amp i used to play it might be buried in my parents house somewhere it wouldn't surprise me because yeah i mean like no music store is gonna buy that from you you're like hey there's this and they're like yeah you can just put it in the trash but um 
Yeah, yeah. I guess for me that that would have been 2003 or four um, that I that I got the guitar, and uh, yeah, started from there. I, I had a little learn guitar with Metallica book, but I was definitely like a, a stubborn, just idiot kid, and I I didn't want to learn anything, you know, actually constructive on guitar wise. I was like poking through that book um, without probably getting anywhere. Um, you know, but I, I, I didn't really have any great ambitions to like do anything besides figuring out how to play metal guitar without putting in the work. But I, I eventually got uh, kind of duped into taking lessons by my, uh, by my parents, um, which worked out in the long run. But yeah, I, you know, it's just like, we'd go to music stores and look at all the stuff, even though I didn't have any money. And, um, there was just some, some guitar center type guy, like, you know, probably mid to late thirties employee, just like shredding in the corner. And I go over there and watch him cause I'm 12. And then, you know, he eventually talks about how he gives lessons and how he'll teach, teach me the Metallica songs that I want to know. And then eventually those lessons turn into learning how to actually play guitar without my knowing. And <laughs> next thing you know, I'm learning chords and all that stuff that I thought I never would. So thanks, parents. Appreciate that. They tricked you into becoming proficient. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's, I think that's the only way with like stubborn kids is just like, you know, you'll have some, some cool little like solo part or riff or lead or something like, yeah, that's cool. If you want to learn how to do that, you got to learn how to do this. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll do that so that I can learn that part. And then, you know, that happened a few times. Then, yeah, next thing you know, you've been had and you're just playing scales and exercises. <laughs> Yeah, I drew you in. So uh, from, you know, the Pantera and uh, Metallica days, what what was kind of uh, the turning point that got you into like the more like extreme metal, uh, you know, scene, if, for lack of a better term? Like what was the sure. first like, say, you know, black metal and stuff that kind of uh, turned you on in that way? Yeah, um, I was definitely, I just... I don't know. I just consider myself lucky or, or maybe it's, maybe it's the opposite that, that I just like fell in, um, with some people at a, at a very young age because, uh, because of actually those guitar lessons, the, the guy who was teaching me there at first, who was a real good guitar player and he was a, a good teacher. Um, he just kind of like up and disappeared. Like he just moved to Germany with like almost no notice. Um, and he kind of, passed me off to his most advanced student at that time who was probably like, uh, he's like six or seven years older than me or something. But, um, and so he, he was like in his late teens or so and was, was totally into a lot more metal stuff and would go to all these shows and stuff. And everybody kind of in that little circle, like the drummer of my old guitar teacher's band also taught lessons. And there was just a bunch of us, like, you know, I was the youngest, but there were some other like teenagers and stuff who were kind of learning and they were all into, in like more, more seriously into it and further into it than me just being a kid. And um, so when I started taking less guitar lessons from Joey, then who who took over, um, he was nice enough to bring me along to some shows. And at age thirteen, um, I saw Opeth, um, I saw Children of Bodom, and then like a, a Nile and Decapitated show, a Creator show, stuff like that. Um, and that was it. That was like my big eye-opening kind of thing. Um, you know, where there was no going back, like being 13 and seeing, seeing bands like that and 
just wanting to do that and find more of it. So then, then I think I just started buying all the magazines and, you know, just diving deeper in. Cause this was a little bit like, obviously the internet was around and, and kicking at that time, but it was a little bit before it was so fully integrated. Like I, you would definitely use it some, but, um, that was kind of the last vestige of like the magazine used CD buying era. Um, so yeah, I just got into anything and everything I could find. Like, I think it was bands like Opeth and stuff that really turned me on to a lot of stuff. I guess I had gotten into Slayer a little bit before all of it. That was kind of the bridge between, you know, the most mainstream stuff to, like, kind of extreme stuff. Um, the first, I'd say, black metal band I really got into was actually Borknagar and then Immortal. Um, and that that was the stuff I was really into in high school. And then super obsessed with opeth and and children of bodom and just like any of those you know really like shreddy bands that were pretty were pretty sick and kind of at the top of their game at that time and then it just spiraled on out from there you know you just keep going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole so i guess i thank or blame my um (laughs) teachers and their their little circle for just yeah pulling me in for no going back yeah, that, that's great that you had kind of a group of people, uh, you know, have been around a little bit longer than you to kind of point you in a cool direction. Um, was were you starting to make bands around that that point? Starting to write music? Uh, I did actually have, a, I guess, basically a failed attempt at a band um, when I was that age, because I was playing guitar a lot, and my teachers, um, both of them, were, were really good, and and you know, we were learning a lot of that that kind of children of Bodom, like neoclassical, pretty, pretty shreddy type of stuff. I actually think I was a much better at a technical level, a much better guitar player when I was like 15 than I am now, just because (laughs) I would spend a lot of time, you know, working on, on stuff like that, like a lot of the technical stuff and just like exercises and solos and things like that, that I don't really do much anymore. Um, and so I was like a, 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 pretty decent guitar player at age like 14 or so and i did start a band that never really saw the light of day which is definitely a good thing um but it was it was this like death metal worship band uh called fleshbound never even played a show never recorded anything but i did have yeah that was the first band in like 2000 probably 2006 uh yeah it was total just like suffocation dying fetus worship type of stuff that uh probably wasn't any good Brad, i'm sure i'm sure anybody that got to sit down on those practices enjoyed it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm sure all two people who uh <laughs> heard it of their own volition instead of just whoever's you know parents of whoever's house we were practicing at um yeah maybe they maybe they liked it i have no idea it probably wasn't good. I, I I wish there was a legitimate recording just so I could go and put myself through it, but not to my knowledge. Yeah, some of those things are sometimes better left uh, hidden. I definitely have <laughs> some of that, actually, some of that period a little bit over-documented uh, <laughs> in, in my, my musical past. Uh, hey, yeah. it's, it's, it's a good thing to have, man. Actually, uh, my couple of my bandmates from Wayfarer, we were cleaning out an old storage space that my drummer had um, just a couple weeks ago. 
and there was all sorts of treasures in there, um, you know, like show flyers and whatnot. But he he and the bass player of Wayfair have been playing music together for a long time since they were both in high school as well. We met later on, um, but you know they they go way back. And um, he did find this CD of a recording from like it might have been their very first show ever, but it was one of their first shows that they ever played. And and we were just like we absolutely have to listen to this. So we put it on and. You know, it was just, yeah, a whole, whole experience of of cringy nostalgia, um, and we were all like laughing, laughing at it, laughing with it. But it was, it was also like, yeah, I'm, I'm, can't tell if I'm lucky or unlucky that I don't have one of these sitting around somewhere because it was like pretty fun to go back and listen to what you probably thought was like very awesome when you were 16, and then you hear it now and you're like, oh my god, somebody had to sit behind the soundboard at this show and like do the best they can with oh, what what the hell is going on on stage. So after, uh, did you say Fleshbound? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a great name, by the way. But after after Fleshbound, um, what, what was your first band uh, that kind of did some recording or some touring or something like that? Was it Wayfarer? Uh, it was actually. Yeah, it it was actually Wayfair because after that whole thing, and it's it's kind of funny to me even hearing you like say the name Fleshman and stuff because I don't think this is for whatever reason actually ever come up in it before, and it's funny hearing you know hearing it said back to me like it was like a legitimate endeavor when it's just you know it's just like me and some kids in a basement uh, for probably like six months back in two thousand four but or two thousand six but. Um, after that, I never, no, I never like got anything together for a while. Um, Wayfarer was founded by me and another guy named Tanner Rezebeck, who I went to high school with and was like one of the only other like, you know, people into extreme metal and stuff at my school. So we got kind of, you know, bonded over that and just became really good friends. Um, and we did actually play together a lot in high school because um, he was also into like, you know, Opeth and Children of Bodom and Insepharum and all Immortal and all that stuff that I was into at that time. And we played a lot of guitar together and we would write stuff. And we even actually came up with the name Wayfarer and we like, you know, in in some form or other, like had had the project in its very infancy back in high school. But that was literally as far as it got. Like it was just the two of us playing guitar. We never, again, like never recorded anything, never found the other members, never played out anywhere. We were just like, yeah, we quote unquote have this band. Um, but it didn't happen for a long time. And, you know, I think we just, I, I don't know, we just played around when we could, but maybe never thought it would actually get anywhere. And then, uh, so from, you know, from the re- through the rest of like my high school days and stuff, it was just kind of messing around on, on our own. And um, then eventually I graduated and I moved out and I was living with my brother um, in Boulder, Colorado, where uh, the university is. And, you know, I was just excited to be able to move out of the house. I was like 18 years old living with my brother, but I didn't really know anybody up there. And it was just like a kind of typical college party scene. And, you know, I didn't fit into that or like have any stake in that because I didn't go to the school or or have really many friends up there. Um, so that was when I kind of started playing guitar again really seriously, I think, because um, I think through high school it maybe kind of drifted away some um, and just became a little like background hobby. But when I was 18 and living on my own, I didn't have any money and I didn't have anything to do. So I just played guitar all the time. 
And uh, I think I kind of started to get serious about it again, and I reconnected. Um, you know, I was still hanging out with um, my friend Tanner, who had who I'd been playing with off and on over the years. Um, but he had actually started playing in a couple like bands around town and stuff. And I, I kind of reconnected with him and showed him some of the stuff I'd been working on. And that's when we started, you know, I think diving in with a little bit more intent. We actually wrote some songs. And then uh, my old guitar player, or sorry, my old guitar teacher, Joey, um, helped us to record the songs. And we all programmed some drums and all that. And we put together the first, like, Wayfarer demo. And um, that was used to find the other two dudes. And then from there, it kind of actually came together pretty quickly. Because we had, you know, we had like four songs written. We programmed all the drums, added all that on. We found those other two guys who had been playing in, in local bands around town and were also interested in what we were doing. And for Isaac, the drummer especially, I remember talking to him at the time. And, and he was just like, yeah, I'm really into this specific stuff. Some of the kind of like folk metal influence and like the influence of like Opeth and things like that. And he just hadn't found anybody else around that was doing something like, like that in our little denver metal scene and um that's when we kind of started diving in headlong and you know played some shows and then eventually um a couple of years later actually put together the first album and went from there that's awesome what what was the process like for for making that demo you know with the the program drums and stuff were y'all just going to shows and handing out to people or um was there some sort of like kind of scene based around, uh, you know, a venue or something where you could kind of meet, you know, potential band members and stuff. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I think it, it mostly came together because, um, we had met a lot of other people that were in what was the Denver metal scene at the time. And it's, it's always kind of funny because now there's been so many bands in the last, like, six or seven years um from denver um in in metal in particular that have kind of broken out and like you know gotten label deals and done national international touring and and now it's like a bit of like a household scene in metal um but back in those days that was really not the case like there was that old grind band cephalic carnage um Mm -hmm. who kind of were their own little world and that was like it you know everything else was just whatever little small level local stuff um, but at that time, you know, I had started going to a lot more, just any, any, any show I could or, or whatever metal was still kind of, you know, what I occupied all my time with and, uh, and had made a lot of friends in, in the community, even though I hadn't myself like been active in one of the projects yet. And Tanner, that guitar player I was playing with, um, and, and was starting the project with, he had played in a couple of the bands who had played some shows with, a, you know, a few other bands around town. So by the time we got the demo done, we actually knew a decent amount of people. And, um, from what I remember, we actually just had like a, a, a little like party at the house we were living at. We invited a bunch of our friends over from the kind of little metal crew that we hung out with and, you know, who played a, a few around town and we kind of, handed out the demo there or even like played it there. And that's, that's actually when we were talking to Isaac, who is now still a drummer. Um, cause he, he and Jamie had played in this band called Santamani around Denver, um, for a few years. That was like really cool, like black death metal stuff. Um, and he came and, and he was the one to really like latch onto it. And we had seen him play and known that he was a really good drummer. So we were just kind of like, you know, let's, 
let's give it a go, see if you're into it, see if we're into it. And it took off pretty pretty easily from there. And Jamie actually joined because of that, because they were still playing together in the other band at the time. And Jamie was a guitar player. But since we already had two guitar players, we put on this little basement show um, that was just me and uh, the other guitar player, Tanner, and Isaac playing drums um, after we had been playing with them for a few months. So we just invited a few friends over for a basement show. And uh, Jamie was there, and he was just like, you know, just slammed a bunch of beers during the set and came up to us after and he's like i uh i don't know what you guys need i know you have two guitar players but i would want to be in this band so like what do you got and we're like you want to play bass and he's like cool done and uh and that was the formation of the band and three of the four of us are still still that crew hell yeah that that's awesome um yeah you mentioned isaac uh you know spectacular drummer um i think Mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners would also know him um from Blood Incantation as well. And you said that he, when he approached you, he was talking about folk metal. And you had mentioned before, like, um, Insafarum and some other bands like that. Did y'all kind of already envision this American West version of folk metal kind of thing? Um, it was a bit more roundabout than that. Um, but, you know, the, the seeds for that were definitely planted from the start. Uh I mean, if you go back to when the original guitarist Tanner and I were playing together back in like high school, you know, we were deep into, yeah, like Insafarum and Moonsorrow and, and bands like that, that were those like Scandinavian folk metal, you know, it was like elements of melodic death metal and black metal and then, and just straight up power metal um, mixed with like the, he obviously was very much rooted in like Scandinavian folk and like the whole like kind of Viking thematics and things like that. And I would say that, if you trace it back to there, back when we were in high school, we just wanted to be just like those bands because we thought they were awesome. Um, but I think by the time we were actually forming the band and, and yeah, when we were like made the demo and, and we're talking to Isaac, you know, we had at least like come far enough to realize it's like, well, we can't, you know, we don't want to just be like some fucking American kids pretending to be Vikings, you know, and, and like just adapt this whole culture that's not ours um but we still had the influence of a lot of those bands as well as a lot of other stuff you know by then i think all of our musical kind of in influence and stuff had broadened to include a lot of other types of metal and other music in general um so i think you know like the demo it's 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 unavailable um on the internet for stupid reasons but we're gonna find a way to get it out sometime again but if you listen to that it's like you know it's it's got traces of that influence, um, but it's also mixed with a lot of lot of other stuff, like more black metal stuff, some post rock stuff, some other like you know even like neurosis type elements, and, and just all the stuff that we had gotten into over the years um, had kind of started to take shape into one sound. And I think yeah, once we formed the band, because that was that was definitely like a a shared point of interest between like us and Isaac when we were when we were starting off, because he was deep into all that stuff as well. Um, you know, we talked about how, how yeah, none of us really knew anybody um, in Colorado or much less really in the States who had done much stuff like that. And we wanted to carry that spirit forward. Um, I don't think it was so decided how we would do it at the start. We just knew we did want to do something. And by that time, I was already really into like Woven Hand and 16 Horsepower and a lot of this Denver stuff that I had just stumbled on for whatever reason or another and gotten really into that as well. 
Um, but at the, at, at the beginning of, of Wayfair, I think that was mostly kind of separate in my head, just like something I liked. And, you know, we started the band, we wanted it to be this epic metal kind of thing. And we wanted it to carry forward that spirit of some of that folk metal stuff. And we didn't really know how to do that. It just kind of over time started to coalesce that we knew we didn't want to, you know, adapt and appropriate some other cultural stuff that wasn't really reflective of us or where we come from or anything, but we liked the kind of spirit of it. And um, then I think, especially by the second actual album, um, some of that more Western stuff started to seep in a bit more and a bit more intentionally because it was like the whole second album was intended to be like a much like dustier, plainsier album. The first one was all like mountains and the second one was all like plains. And uh, that influence started to come in a lot more freely of like the woven hand and, you know, Nate Morricone and things like that. And um, I think once we started really doing it with that album, that was the realization where we're like, this feels like, this feels right. This feels like what we should do. And um, by the time we did World's Blood, the third record, we just decided to like dive in, dive full on and, and uh, kind of haven't really turned back since, you know, the, the newest record was like a refining and focusing of, of uh, a particular aspect of it and like how we wanted to present it. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of took place over time. Like, you know, I can't say that we back in 2012 when um, the lineup was filled out that we knew exactly what we wanted it to turn into, but I think, you know, the, the seeds were there and it just, uh, we can't, you kind of figure out over time, like, what what a thing really is it takes some time to to dive in and explore that yeah i i think that's really interesting and i i think it works well for y'all that it's not you know a a bunch of music about norwegian forests that you've never been to you know um yeah exactly and you know even y'all's first full length had a lot of uh like thematic content of kind of like the old west and stuff um Mm -hmm maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I assume that y'all didn't listen to like old, old Western music. Uh, you know, what was the kind of like aesthetic driving force for that? Was it movies? Um, it was, it was both. It was definitely movies were a part of it. Um, you know, like this last album in particular, um, really it's kind of thematically based around stuff like that. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's as we've said in a few interviews that's more about the western like as an idea than it is about the west itself like the way that culture is portrayed and like the the way that uh like media and and stories and myth and legend have kind of like built around it um and that's like what the most recent album was actually more about than than the actual history of the west itself it's like kind of the idea and what it's become and what it you know how it's represented to the rest of the world um and so the the film thing definitely plays a big part in it, and that's something I've always been a huge fan. I was I was raised watching um, certain westerns, and honestly, when I was young, I, I didn't really take to it much. Um, it was like kind of the later years when I when I got really into film, and you know, just dove deep into the like Sergio Leone stuff, and it was like a really big impact on me because there's you know, it's such a uh, large scope cinematic experience. And it also is so closely married to the music, like the um, Sergio Leone and Neo Marconi collaborations. Um, you can tell that, you know, they were kind of built from the ground up to exist 
um, together, like to serve, you know, the music serves the film, the film serves the music. And um, that was, that was always a big impact on me. So I think that really influenced our music. Um, and it wasn't so much being influenced by actual lines from like Ennio Morricone, although that does, you know, seep through here and there. It was just kind of like the way they use that synthesis of music and visual to tell a story. We brought that forward in the band because that's always been something from the onset that we wanted our, our, our music to to tell a story because a lot of my favorite and a lot of our all of our favorite um, artists do that. You know, their their music kind of paints a picture and tells a story of its own, even even if you take away the lyrics. And um, yeah, I think the the films and the Western films were an influence even that early. As far as the music, though, like yes, you're right that we didn't dive into like actual you know time specific music of of the old West. Um, but again, it's that like Denver Sound stuff, um, Woven Hand and Sixteen Horsepower that had been a huge thing for me at the time, and and you know over time was uh, was a, a big thing for some of the other guys in the band as well. Um, that that was more the influence of oh, I think how that found its way into into Wayfair. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, one thing I'm I'm struck by. Uh, and I'm not surprised that you brought up uh, Marconi. Uh, I have a couple of his records, and every time I put them on, I'm surprised by how heavy it is. Like it's, yeah. especially for how old it is, and the fact that it was going into these like extremely high budget movies. Um, mm-hmm. You know, compared to even like westerns that are made today, you know, um, and it was you know pretty heavy and had a lot of cool like dissonance and you know definitely yeah there's there's like there's a lot of like straight up riffs on on some of that stuff you know um whether it's guitar or otherwise but but even electric guitar and and yeah like you're saying this is like the 1960s like you know even rock and roll wasn't like that at the time um and and yeah there's there's like distorted guitars and and yeah intentionally kind of exploring the the different sounds that can be made with electric guitars and and yeah I, I do think it was like maybe even subconsciously innovative for for a lot of that type of stuff because you're you're totally right that there's some some straight up heavy riffs and like heavy noisy sounds through a lot of his compositions it was pretty uh you know that's why he stood out so much then and still now it was pretty atypical of like film scores and just music in general of the time um, and and that. Again, I think that just all comes from uh, the desire to tell a story, like with the music even, or, or serve the story of the film, you know, where it wasn't always just like big sweeping orchestral scores. It was like, okay, this is supposed to be a really tense scene. So like, how do we use the sound to build the tension? And, you know, I think that's maybe where a lot of that stuff came. Or... You know, in, in a lot of those films, the westerns in particular, he kind of will have a different theme for each character, and so some of the characters that have a more like sinister um, or or just like roguish feeling or something can yeah have have that that uh, aspect portrayed with like the guitars and stuff. So yeah, it's it's cool how much crossover there really is. For sure, and um, you mentioned that your your newest record, uh, a romance with violence that just came out this year um, has, you know, kind of a focus on the Western as a movie, um, you know, as opposed to like Western things, you know, lowercase W. Um, Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like that album 
is kind of following the story of a Western actor. Is that, am I, uh, getting what, (laughs) what you're putting down from that? It kind of like one of the characters that it follows is like somebody that's on, you know, the big screen as a, you know, a Western person. Uh, yeah, it's a yes and no, but you are, I think you're, you're, you're getting the right sort of thing for sure. It's, um, it's kind of a few different stories, a few different looks on things that all tie together. But the biggest overlying or uh, overarching kind of um, metaphor through the whole record is this one of like performance. Um, like the the whole album, thematically anyway, culminates in the last song, Vaudeville, which basically yeah paints it as this like stage play of people who like put on these personas for you know the the consumption of of everyone else as a, as a cultural thing. And, um, yeah, so I, I do think you, you picked up on it in the right way in that way. Like each song kind of covers a different aspect of the, like the, the whole Western legend, um, and kind of different archetypes, like the first song or the, you know, the first song proper, um, the Crimson Rider is like a, just your, your general, like outlaw on the frontier kind of archetype. And like, you know, he's kind of, living living uh and creating this path of chaos and eventually like dies by the he lived and the way he has set and the second song is um the iron horse which is kind of a, a metaphor for the the railroad and the expansion west and how that that was like kind of the the pale horse of death carrying carrying the violence of of you out across all this territory um, but yeah, it's, there is this constant metaphor of like performance and like a, a dance and mask and like being on, on a stage for the rest of the world where it's like, you know, this is what is being portrayed. This is what's being painted, um, and, and consumed elsewhere from this whole idea of the West. So I, yeah, I would say that's totally spot on. Yeah. It's, I, I think you'll, uh, have put like an interesting frame on, you know, all of these different elements that come together, uh, on this record, because really, you know, as you said, like, I mean, literally, you know, countless people died just building the railroads, you know, and a lot of them weren't, you know, a lot of them were slaves or indentured servants mm-hmm. that were, you know, they more or less treated as slaves. And, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, so seeing, seeing a Western that glamorizes, you know, sort of like the cowboy and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, You know, obviously they're ignoring a pretty broad chunk of why some people were able to (laughs) move out West and, you know, become rich. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's definitely just a, an era, um, you know, same as, same as any, any other really when you break it down. Uh, But yeah, an era driven by, greed and violence and you know people uh putting other people um you know not being afraid to pursue what they ultimately want on the backs of other people yeah Um, that makes a lot of sense yes it's an unfortunately universal thing you know where it's like we we chose to just dive into that aesthetic with this album um and and with that but it's not like just this diatribe about the West, it's like, you know, this is just humans and how humans are and have been. And, you know, this same sort of behavior is repeated indefinitely in different 
circumstances is just a good example of of one to dive in and and you know it's like it's the whole thing is not just supposed to be a um uh a, 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 I don't know deconstruction or like attack on it it's also you know it's it's we're we're not putting ourselves above this either where it's like we in you know we also think this aesthetic is interesting and like cool to take in and we wanted it to do both like we wanted the album to play and feel like a bloody western film because i i and we enjoy those too but you know it's kind of at the same time trying to peel back the layers of it if you're looking for it yeah it's kind of a multifaceted approach to uh reconcile it but also appreciate you know the storytelling and the aesthetics that can come from something like that uh yeah i I don't sorry what were you saying oh well i was just gonna say yeah i mean that's like yeah you know that up interesting questions about about yeah all of us and ourselves individually as well you know that that i think we wanted to make sure to not duck and like pretend that we were above where it's just like yeah one of the overlying themes of the album is you know as as people our heroes are always killers and you know like why do why do we enjoy this why why are these like tales of legend like every every mythology and every culture's you know myth and legend and 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 folk tales and stuff like revolve around those those same sorts of things and like you know we we also and you know have taken in stuff like that and, and appreciated um art around that but yeah it's just an interesting phenomenon of of, of why and we don't have the answers to that it's just kind of a, a rumination on it yeah absolutely i i don't think that uh it's a random you know uh happenstance that early days of the internet uh were kind of a lot of times they use like wild west imagery to describe it. Um, you know, I, I think maybe that expansion of human contact and the resulting, you know, uh, surveillance that comes with it and the, the resulting, you know, peering into everybody else's lives that comes with it. Uh, I don't think it's a a mistake that, they branded it, you know, the new Wild West. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because it is that kind of, you know, lawless new frontier that simultaneously presents, you know, a whole world of opportunity, and it also presents, yeah, all, all the the bad things that can come come with come with it. You know, it's always that double edged sword, and I think that's a really good an- analogy. I actually hadn't ever heard that or, or thought of it that way, but. I think that's a really good analogy because, yeah, it was just like, you know, the internet was a new frontier and it didn't have laws and it didn't, you know, it wasn't set to be a certain way already. So people kind of just went out there and did whatever the fuck they were going to do. And some of it was great and some of it was terrible. And, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, Another thing you mentioned, vaudeville kind of pulling together a lot of the uh, the threads of the record. Um, and one thing I always thought was interesting uh, was I don't know if you're an Alice Cooper fan, uh, and you know, obviously Alice Cooper is very cartoony and stuff. But I heard a, a interview with him a long time ago, and he was saying how he got really interested in vaudeville, and that was kind of how he created like the Alice Cooper character. Uh, and it, it put all of that 
and in a broader sense, a lot of like that kind of like shock rock that I think was kind of seminal for modern extreme metal. Um, thinking about it, tracing its roots, roots back to vaudeville and like this like performative thing. I, I've, I've never heard that with Alice Cooper, but that, you know, it makes sense. Like if, yeah, if you even look at like his, you know, face paint kind of get up, it's like um, similar to like the, masks you know that are associated with with like vaudeville and, and things like that so that i can't i now that you say that i could see it and yeah you know it's it's all music and 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 film and all that it's all kind of performance to convey something and the vaudeville thing is just like an interesting thing because it's kind of of a time um you know for that particular thing of that particular name but it's also yeah that that spirit's just carried forward in, in different ways and yeah, how we wanted to use that or explore that um, idea for the record is just that, you know, a vaudeville show is like always like a variety show that incorporates a lot of different things, but it's all still coming from one one troupe and one angle. And that's kind of, yeah, how we wanted like this album to be. Like this was our little kind of several part show that was all part of one. Yeah, that, that's excellent, um, and it, it kind of makes the the audience for the vaudeville act like a uh, kind of a, a surrogate audience for the person sitting down and listening to Wayfair record, uh, mm. which is really interesting to you know tie people tie people into the world that you've just you know spent a, a long time creating and shaping for them. Um, and you know, let them sort of interact a little bit more actively with it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely the hope. You know, we always just want to make the best thing we can and the you know, the most fully fully formed um, thing we can from the you know, the music to the lyrics to the presentation, the artwork, and all that. And you know how it's how it's taken in is going to be how it's going to be um but you know i want to make sure anybody who does want to dive deep in in because you know if somebody just wants to put on a record to you know jam it out and have some something on in the background or whatever that's cool but for anybody who wants you know wants to like dive out like you know look at the the presentation and the aesthetic and all that you know make sure that we're we, we're delivering a complete and fully thought out thing for anybody who, who wants, wants that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's cool to see that, you know, some people have, and like, you know, talking to you, like you've picked up on some of the stuff. It's, it's great to see. Cause you know, just never really have that expectation. Cause it's, it's unrealistic when you're just like playing in a, a band, you know, I don't, I don't deep dive into every single band that I listen to, um, you know, lyrical themes or, or whatever. Um, but it's it, it it's cool when it does come across and, and we see people out there that have picked up on it and, and you know people like discuss it and have questions about it and stuff and um, that's cool that's the point of anything um, anything artistic I guess yeah and y'all you know as you alluded to do a good job of having pretty intricate you know packaging and um, you know stuff it you know a lot of things like surrounding your records. Um, 
one thing that stuck out to me on the newest one on a, a romance with violence is that uh, y'all had portraits of yourselves in it. And I didn't know what kind of the statement of that was. Uh, if you don't mind going into that choice, I, th- I thought it was really interesting. I loved it, but yeah. Um, I, I, I'm really glad it turned out cause it was one of those things that we weren't totally sure about how it would. Um, and it was, you know, kind of funny to do it. Cause like we're all, you know, we take the music and the presentation of, of our, our endeavors and, and the endeavors in general, seriously, but we're all actually pretty like just goofy dudes in real life. Kind of a strange thing to get us to do. Um, but the intent was that, um, I don't know, that it just reflected the, um, not even necessarily the era, because it's not about one exact era in particular, but the, you know, the overall feeling of that time. Um, and, and so we wanted it to be, to look look like that and, and bring that to mind when you see it, that, you know, these pictures could be from whatever, the 1880s, you know, uh, some portrait photography of, of just people in a, in a frontier town or something, or um, people's kind of portrayal on like a, a stage or in a film or something. And we wanted the portraits to look like that, have that kind of old, smoky portrait quality. Um, and they turned out great. The, uh, woman who took the pictures, who's just an old friend of mine, um, did an incredible job with it. And she had never really, I think she had done, she mentioned she had done, uh, one or two other things with bands and musicians before, but you know, she definitely wasn't like involved in like metal stuff or anything like that. Um, she, she takes a lot of actually these like, um, like like boudoir type of shoots and, and things like that. She just does a lot of cool art and photography um, projects of her her own, um, and and so we were trying to just you know contact somebody a little bit out of the box instead of just like your usual metal promo guys with crossed arms you know pictures. Like how can we do something that will capture the the feeling of of this whole thing? And so that, that was the idea, and I. I'm pretty pleased with how they turned out because we, yeah, we weren't totally sure if it was going to work or not, but glad it's coming, coming across. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's sort of, to me, it reads as like almost the, the polar opposite of the white and black Xeroxed corpse paint front cover, right. you know? Right. Um, totally. You know, and it obviously, uh, you know, your music and a lot of other, a lot of the other great bands that you mentioned, you know, Opeth and people obviously owe, you know, some, some of their roots to those kind of projects, but, uh, it's always interesting to go in your own way as opposed to being, you know, the 8,000th band to have that corpse paint front cover. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be really, uh, jarring. Um, yeah, if we were trying to make this, you know, it's, it's always really important to us that the music and the packaging comes us, comes across like genuine and, and, you know, fully formed. And I think it would be really, really jarring to like have that. And then, yeah, just have bullet belts and, and corpse paint, you know, it's, uh, it would, it would be, it would seem like two separate worlds because it is. And, and, you know, we were trying to make it old. And that's something I, I actually credit, um, Isaac, our, our drummer for, is like he's always been a big proponent of like you know, um, yeah, like the band the band should should 
have some kind of uh, appearance about it, you know, to coincide with what it's representing and what it what it sounds like because you know we all take things in that way it's always like much easier to um get into something um when you when you're like looking at 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 a band or or whatever you know a film or something if everybody's like really fully fully in to an idea and they're representing it in every possible way you know you're much more likely to like actually listen to that um, in, in terms of like what it is they're they're getting at, than just like some dudes up there in corpse paint or t-shirts or whatever, who are then like we're gonna deliver our master thesis on you know uh, a, a Western film black metal, and you're just like okay, <laughs> but you're just some dudes. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's something that that uh, I think he he's always been a, an influence towards us on where it's like over over the years we've um, adapted stuff like that more to make it a full, full presentation, I guess. Right on. Yeah. It, it comes across as very sincere, which I think, uh, is important for the listener to, to appreciate. Um, you mentioned when we, you know, first started talking, uh, that you were working on some new music this week. Um, is that maybe some new, uh, Wayfair tracks? Uh, no, it's actually other projects, but, um, a lot of the, uh, we're, we, all of us in the band are, are busy with with stuff, and a lot of us actually have other projects together. Um, some of it's more kind of in in stages that we can't really talk about it much. Um, but yeah, we we have some other projects going um, unrelated to Wayfair. So we're not not working on new Wayfair music at the time. Um, we have a couple other bands that a few of us play in um that are working on some stuff like we have this project called like which is kind of a mouthful but it's like a a weird uh black death electronic industrial crazy sort of thing um that none of us have ever really you know fully done something like that before and that's been really exciting to like merge the worlds of like electronic kind of almost like trip hop type stuff with some cool, strange, dark, psychedelic metal stuff. Um, so that's been something we've been working on. We have some other other stuff in, in the work, uh, other stuff in the works as well um, that, like, uh, myself, Jamie, and Isaac from Wayfair are all a part of. So, yeah, we've, we've kind of had a lot going on, on on several fronts, and this uh, pandemic time has allowed us to really do that because we've had some of these projects in the works for a while, but... You know, the Wayfair tours a decent amount, and that takes a lot of time for the touring and the preparation for it. And then Isaac tours a lot with Blood Incantation, and you know, in in a normal world, it's typically hard to find the time to work on any any other kind of projects. Um, so they they move very slowly. But since the pandemic um, has hit, we've just decided to you know invest all our energy into making stuff because there's nothing else to do. We can't tour. Um, we can't play out, so you know we we finished the the whole Wayfarer record through through the pandemic, like through the summer and whatnot, which was actually beneficial. You know, obviously the pandemic is a terrible mess, and like you know we had plans moved around and canceled, and tons and tons of bands have had all sorts of problems and, and things canceled, and the world's turned upside down. But for that record, it was actually you know turned out to be like beneficial just to have a lot of time to really go in and focus because we're so used to having to crunch 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 and go 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 and it was really nice to just have like 
seemingly limitless time to really fine-tune everything and flesh everything out. And then once since that's been done, we've had um, time to actually fully dive in with some of these other musical projects we've wanted to pursue for a while. So I think more stuff will come out about that stuff as it comes along, but we're working on that. We have plans for Wayfair in the in the future. Um, you know, we've talked about maybe doing some kind of ancillary releases. Um, like, you know, this full-length album that came out in October, we want to make sure it gets its proper day and, like, still gets a proper tour cycle whenever that comes around, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, so, you know, we don't want to just jump into another full-length album right away because we want this one to kind of have its day still. But we've talked about doing, you know, some kind of different sorts of releases or smaller things um, in the meantime. So I think I think later this year there will be, you know, some new Wayfair projects of one kind or another in the works. And then we also, just us as musicians, have, have other stuff coming down the pipes. Awesome. You, you mentioned, uh, excuse me for butchering this name, um, uh, like Codanon? Like Codanon? Yeah. Yeah, you know that the first time. Okay, perfect. Um, so I I heard that that demo, uh, and it's it's awesome. Um, and you you mentioned it, it having a trip hop element, which was definitely the thing that really caught my attention when I was listening to it. Uh, I cool. really loved like the percussive, you know that that kind of more like electronic trippy yeah. kind of percussiveness. Um, what was the genesis behind that? Um, I know. Isaac is in that project too. And, um, yeah, Jamie is and, as well. Yeah. And Jamie. Um, so what was kind of the, the, the birth of, of that project? Um, that one does have definitely, yeah, quite a backstory in, in a way it's uh, a continuation of, I, I mentioned much earlier in our discussion that, you know, Isaac and Jamie have been playing together for a long time and their band that they had from like, high school teenage until um you know up until around and even shortly after um when we formed wayfarer they had this band that they played in for a long time and you know that that band just kind of showed a lot of different phases of them like figuring out what they wanted to do you know from being teenagers up till kind of becoming pretty actually proficient musicians and putting together something um solid and um that band uh, kind of just went dormant or like, you know, and it basically dissolved um, just because of other things happening and, and the other guys that they had been playing with in that project, you know, just kind of moved on with their lives and did did whatever else. Um, but a couple of years ago, right after World's Blood came out, we did the first couple tours on that. Uh, we were just talking about diving into some other projects and um, that was kind of, Jamie wanted to sort of resurrect that thing that they used to have, um, but do it in a, you know, in a new way and incorporate some other kind of crazy ideas that were, I think, starting to like seep into his head um, back when things dissolved and, and just stuff that, you know, like he's always been really into. I think his dad is like a, um, like a trip hop electronic musician. And, you know, he's always been around that sort of stuff and into it. And um, all of us like it, like Isaac's deep into He's, he's just like a huge music head of all, all sorts, and he's into a lot of that stuff as well, and I, I have gotten into a lot of it over the years also. So they kind of wanted to like resurrect their old project, but like 
start it brand new in terms of what it could be and what it would be and, and uh, that it would incorporate some different type of elements. And we, uh, I don't know, we're all just pretty set on, you know, making, making new types of, of music um, that will involve metal and stuff. But, you know, it's not just a rehash of XX genres. It's like, yeah, we just want to do some, some cool stuff that we would find interesting as listeners. Um, and that's, that project in particular is, is yeah, really, it's, it's like anything goes, but it's not just a random, you know, throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. It's like a, it, it has a, a feeling about it. And I think, um, you mentioned having heard that demo, I'm, I'm glad you found that. Um, and I think even since that demo, the band has like found really what its sound is and the electronic elements of it, I would say are even more prominent than they were at that time. Um, also because we we have a a new member since the demo who is purely an electronics guy and like he has been doing this stuff for a long time he's a little bit older than most of us and like um had released some stuff on the that ad noisem label back in the mid 2000s or something that like igor was on and he's just like a you know glitch electronic guy uh, who's also a, a big metalhead and a friend of ours so um that band is him, Jamie and Isaac, myself, and uh, this guy, Eric Van Langenhoven, who played with them in, in Sintamani way back in the day. That's awesome. And yeah. uh, he sounds uh, like a great addition to to what y'all were doing on the demo, uh, which I thought yeah. was excellent. Very excited. Yeah, yeah. his name is Zach Robertson. He's just like the world's nicest guy and a good friend of ours. And um, but yeah, we've been playing with him in that project for about a year. You know, we took a bit of a hiatus to work on the Wayfair stuff. So, um, but yeah, we're working on a full length for that band that will probably be recorded in maybe late summer of this year. And probably, I, I would imagine it won't be released until 2022, but, um, we're, you know, we're just working on all this stuff while we have the time while everybody's home. Um, we've just been making, making a lot of music for one project or another. And that's been really, really nice. Well, Shane, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was awesome talking to you today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was a great talk. Oh, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, got a lot out of it. And uh, I, I think our listeners will really enjoy having just, you know, one extra level of context for uh, enjoying y'all's newest record, which is, if I may say so, a pretty epic masterpiece. Um so it it's definitely something that I think people will be able to appreciate, uh, you know, repeated repeated listenings in the future. So we're real psyched to have you on the show, and uh, I hope that everything goes well with all those projects y'all are working on, and we look forward to uh, hearing what y'all come out with next, whether it's Wayfarer or any other, uh, you know, associated group. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate the the kind words on the record, and and yeah, just to appreciate the invite for having me on the show. It's good to talk, and um, yeah, you know, we've got all sorts of shit coming down the pipeline. So, I, you know, I hope I hope it lives up to uh, expectations as well. But yeah, just really appreciate you taking the time to talk, and it was good being on here. Right on, Shane. We'll keep in touch. This has been Comfort Monk Productions.